Welcome to this Barks podcast brought to you by the Pet Professional Guild. The Pet Professional Guild is a membership organization that represents you, a pet industry professional who is committed to results-based, science-based, ethical training in pet care. Pet guardians, do you need help with your pet? PPG has professionals across the world on standby to help you and your four-legged family member so you're in the right place. To learn more about PPG, visit www.petprofessionalguild.com. Let's start with this week's podcast. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Laura. I'm in the feline division chair for Pet Professional Guild. Uh, and we're here today with Joanna and Sandra. Uh, let them introduce themselves. We're going to be talking about feeding your cats and feline nutrition. Uh, go ahead, Joanna. Um, hi, I'm Joanna. I'm uh, owner of High Five Animal Training, and I am a certified cat behavior consultant and a certified dog trainer. Uh, and uh, I'm also a member of the PPG Feline Committee. Um, so our guest today is Sandra. Sandra, you can introduce yourself. Uh, she's a certified Certified companion animal nutrition consultant. Nutritionist. Hi, everyone. I'm Sandra. Hi, everyone. I'm Sandra Grossman. I am a certified companion animal nutritionist. I've worked for about 30 years in the global pet food industry as a formulator and nutritionist. I'm also a certified feline training and behavior specialist and a veterinary assistant. Nice to meet you, everyone. Wow, so you like basically cover all the topics of the cat. Yeah, Training, cat, behavior, nutrition. Cats are my thing. Yeah, cats <laughs> are my thing. So formulating cat food, you know, I have white hair. It's 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 complicated. <laughs> so we were going to start out by talking about um, just the fact that cats are obligate carnivores. Um, and just kind of discuss the trend of vegetarian, vegan diets that's recently become a thing. Um, so I know that it's not a good thing to feed your cat a vegan diet, but that's about, you know, as far as I know, they need they need the stuff that's found in meat. Um, You've probably heard what Fuji thinks about vegetarian diets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cats are definitely obligate carnivores and they uh, require nutrients that come from meat, vitamin A, vitamin D3, all of these nutrients that are predominantly in meat. So feeding your cat a home-cooked vegan or vegetarian diet is definitely difficult, not impossible, but I would not recommend it to anyone that has no experience in formulating home-cooked diets or experience. What are, um, what are some of the things that that you would notice on a cat that's being improperly fed a vegetarian or vegan diet? What kind of side effects would happen? Yeah, I mean, the side effects, they they can, you see it in the, in the skeleton and the, in the muscle mass, they lose muscle mass, they lose, um, they might lose their hair, it's, there are a lot of nutrients that if, if cats don't get the proper protein source that they are required to be fed, they will be wasting away literally. Yeah. So with that, I think as you mentioned like homemade diets and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I know that's really becoming a, a trend as well. Um, a lot of people, for whatever reason, they don't trust the big names or they they I, I see a lot of people who are like but the vets get a kickback when they recommend these these big brands and that sort of thing and I think that's kind of the driving force between people you know we're trying to take things into their own hands but I also know that can be like super dangerous for cats if you don't know what you're doing right yeah I think it's definitely way easier to feed a dog a homemade diet compared to a cat, not just from the aspect of nutrition that you can, that you make sure that the cat gets all the nutrients, the essential nutrients they require, but also you can create 
the most beautiful homemade diet in your kitchen for your cat if your cat's not eating the food. And that's what we all know cats are prone to do, yeah? They are, they are not like dogs that they, they gobble down uh, everything that you put in front of them. If the cat's not used to a homemade raw diet, the cat might not want to eat it, and and this is, in my uh, experience, the most the most complicated um, part of this puzzle. What is what is the difference between kind of uh, like kind of why is are the cat homemade diets so much more difficult to make than the dog homemade diets? What makes it more tricky? I would say that um, it's not. Making a, a homemade dog diet is also very complicated. Maybe it's the same. You have to formulate, you have to have a program to not overformulate certain nutrients, to not underformulate certain nutrients. You can get very basic uh, recipe from maybe your veterinarian from the internet or Facebook groups. And most of them always, what, when I follow these groups, what I see that they always add a premix that they sell. If you look behind the scenes, they recommend to grind chicken or turkey or beef or whatever, but they always recommend to add a premix that they sell. So on the on the cat side, to me, it's it's really not just that people you you need to really make sure that you disinfect everything in your kitchen when you are dealing with raw meat. Mm -hmm. It's it's very it's very easy that you have people in, in the in the household they are immune compromised children elder people. If you do not disinfect your kitchen and everything around that feeding area properly, you have salmonella or E. coli or whatever in no time in your home. The meat that is sold in the grocery store is supposed to be cooked. And I know a lot of the raw food expert, they say there is, there is no uh, research or there's no data that people got uh, salmonella or listeria or E. coli from, from raw feeding. But this is, this is a tricky part, I would say. Yeah. Okay. And palatability. I mean, you, the dogs love raw food. That's mm -hmm. not so much. Is there any actual real research out there that, you know, raw diets are more nutritionally um, complete for a cat or that cats do better on raw diets? Is there any science founded in no. that? The raw food community is still, still, I mean, they have been asked to provide data and I'm a scientist, uh, so please show me the data and then we can talk further, but there is no real research study. And I think the latest compilation of studies that I have seen, it's from Steve Brown. The, the raw food community is still lacking the proof to, to show us that raw food is so much better. It's, it's not there because we as, as formulators, as nutritionists or veterinarians, we don't talk about ingredients. We don't talk about fresh chicken breast versus chicken byproduct. We talk about the nutrients that are in these mm -hmm. ingredients and if they are bioavailable, bioavailable to the animal or not. And I, as a nutritionist, I prefer a well-rounded kibble diet over a home-cooked, raw diet at any point for my animals. Okay, gotcha. So speaking of kibble, <laughs> uh, tell me um, kibble versus wet food. And also why do cats love kibble so much? And it's so hard to switch them to wet food when we do want to do it. In my opinion, and from my experience, cats are creatures of habit, yeah? When you feed a kitten only dry food, it is very hard to switch it over to wet food later on. From my experience, when I have, when I foster kittens or some smaller cats, I give them a variety of flavors, a variety of textures, a variety of different foods, so that they later on are not so relying on just 
one product. Yeah. Is it is it safe to switch them between different foods? We often try to kind of, especially when we both Laura and I come from the shelter world and from the rescue world, and we always recommend people to kind of keep feeding the cats the same thing that they were yeah. being fed. Um, but is it is it okay to switch them from food to food? It is okay to switch them. Transition slowly. Don't give them food A one day and then completely switch to a different food the next day. That will upset their tummy. Very normal. Transition slowly. But um, it's absolutely safe. I mean, what I do, I mix two different sorts of dry kibble in my household because just variation yeah I have three cats and they all like different kibbles so I mix two sorts of kibbles and I have various wet food flavors in my house so variation variation gotcha that's kind of a weird question why do you think so if cats don't naturally like even we're talking about raw diets and like when we're, we're talking about commercial diets too everything is like chicken even beef and I'm like a cow a cat would never eat a cow in real life why do you think do you think they just I mean they they raise mice for like snakes and everything why do you think they don't give cats their natural prey and cat food you know, people are comfortable with feeding them chicken if you if you consider making pet food on a on a large scale basis yeah the kibbles, I, if anyone has seen how kibbles are being made and they are being made with the same equipment that we make cornflakes, it's, it's, it's like, we call it an extruder in the industry. So the smallest extruder is having an output of 300 kg an hour. That is about 600, 700 pounds an hour. So we need a lot of raw materials and we don't we don't have that many mice to feed our 600 million cats yeah it's just chicken is is simply the the most available source of protein yeah and a lot of people they always think that the cats or the dogs the pet food the pet food industry is actually using the byproducts from the human food industry yeah? we use the ingredients that Humans in our part of the world don't eat. Yeah, we use the livers, we use the the um, the bones, we use all of that. That is what I would say. It's it's a very sustainable way of not wasting animal protein. Yeah, I have certainly seen. Uh... Australia made or New Zealand made uh, foods that were made with possum meat. So <laughs> I'm guessing they, they, they're a little bit more uh, uh, close to, to the natural prey for the cats. We, I mean, it's really, it's depending every continent here in the US, we use chicken as our number one source of protein. In Europe, it's more pork. Mm. Yeah. Australia, they use kangaroo. Yeah, they yeah. use kangaroo. Pet food is very typical there because they have so many. So yeah. it's whatever we have available, we use. <laughs> yeah, and possums are considered vermin. So uh, I'm yeah. guessing this is, yeah. So it's a way of getting rid of them too. Different uh, part of the world, different culture, different eating habits. And we know that, for example, cats in, in Asia, they prefer fish over chicken. Here in the US, our cats prefer chicken over fish because it's what they are used to, to eating. Yeah, I certainly had like different, so some of my cats preferred, they would eat everything fish flavored or just everything chicken flavored. Yeah, they have um, a preference. who really liked raw meat though. <laughs> They usually have a preference because they yeah. get it from the mom's milk. Mm -hmm. What mom had liked, she gives it to the kittens. If mom was a chicken cat, the kittens would probably have a preference for chicken. So yeah, when you I, ever I, feed mom, the kittens will like in the future. 
I often hear from clients who say, oh, I got the treats, but my cat didn't like the treats. And I'm like, well, what food are you feeding them? Is it chicken or is it fish or is it beef? And is it the same thing with treats? Because yeah, just like you said, they do have a preference and uh, um, and we try to give them treats and they're like, but this is not the food that I eat. Yay. Some cats are really particular. They would never eat anything wet. Some cats only eat wet. For cats, it's really about texture. Mm, they, yeah. I have one cat. She does, she looks at when I come with a churu, which I would say has a it's the best palatability of a treat that I know. My cat, one of my cats, she does not like churu. It's the texture. Mm. I like it. No. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No. And one of my cats, she wouldn't like churu, but she ate um, a similar thing from a different brand. Yeah. And and it was like, but, but it's the same thing. And she was like, no, mom, it's different. <laughs> nope, not for her. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I, I think we can talk about the cats and the kind of cats being picky about food for like forever, right? Because oh, yeah. not only do they like like different textures, different flavors, but also like different food deliveries, right? Some of them will eat from the hand. Some of them will never eat food from hand. Sorry, I wonder how much of it is related to, like we said, like what they've been given as kittens and what they've been used to. And I think I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of picky adult cats were kind of raised by people to be picky because we're so much like feed the cat the same thing all the time, never change anything. And then we're like, we try to give them all these treats and they're, they don't even understand that it's food. It's not what they eat. Yeah, that's true. That's true. On the other hand, I've also had cats who, you know, I was like, oh, this is the thing you love. I'm going to buy a huge box of it. And then they're like, nope, bored. Yep. The next day they don't like it anymore, right? Yep. Nope. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know that it's really, it's interesting from a, from a, a industry point of view. There are companies that don't even make cat food or cat treats because mm -hmm. it's so much more complicated. Yeah. You don't want to deal with all of these complaints and all of these different issues when you can easily only prepare dog food. Yeah. And the dog will, most of the dogs will just like eat whatever, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Good. Give it to me. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about kind of the wet food and the dry food and uh you know how cats when they are used to dry food it's really hard to switch them to the wet food yeah um it's very reason why we would want uh to switch cats from dry food to wet food um, do, do we want them to eat more wet food i would say yes i mean i prefer wet food the cheapest wet food is better than the most expensive dry food. Why? Because cats need moisture. Cats need what? moisture from their food. They don't, they are not really prone to drinking a lot. And when cats don't drink enough, they overeat, you know, they, it's, the moisture in the wet food is really, it's, it, it really helps with flushing their kidneys and, and getting everything through the system. So wet food is, is, is a good source of moisture. So what would be your like recommended ratio of wet to dry diet? You know, there is no, there is no general rule. I would say whatever you can afford, whatever a person can afford, if they can afford only one time wet food per week, hey, that's great. Yeah, that's better than no wet food at all. This is not- Ideal. uh, Ideally, I would, ideally, I would say maybe half and half. Okay. Yeah. What's happening now? What do you feed your cats? Me? As a nutritionist, yeah. As a nutritionist, what do you feed your cats? I feed them a blend of two kibbles, two different company, different brands of kibbles. And I mix it because, as I said, for variation reasons. And also, when you formulate things, 
things can happen. We had we have many recalls in this industry, and as much as um, when there's a recall in the pet food industry, everyone is kind of alert. Oh my gosh, this food has been recalled. Um, we had vitamin D three overdose. We have some. So I I I want to balance this out. So I I mix two dry foods and I give them two different kinds of white food. So are they two different flavors of? Uh... Yeah, kibble two completely different brands, different, the, 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 the kibbles have a different shape. Some are triangles, some are round. Just mix it up. Whatever you cat, there is no brand. I mean, there are the Vasava approved diets. We all know that, that veterinarians usually recommend Vasava approved diets over non-Vasava approved diets, but Believe me, there are a lot of good companies out there and they all formulate according to our EFCO guidelines. And if your cat eats a cheap brand from a grocery store, that's totally fine. Yeah, It's complete and balanced. When it states that on the product, it is. Okay, good to know. Um, so, um... I just kind of have a have a question from um, uh, from one of my clients when I was telling them that I was doing this and they were not able to watch it. But uh, what what age should you start to change your cat's diet from adults to senior? And the, why? Like, kind of, what's the difference between the adult diet and senior diet? Is it also another fad when we kind of? Uh, you know, kind of just another product to make you buy more, or is it, uh, or is there a reason for for kind of senior diets and adult diets and kitten diets and stuff? So officially, there is no. There are only two profiles, nutrient profiles for cat diets, and Laura knows that because we talked about it in our in our team meeting. There is a profile for growth, mm -hmm. kittens, nursing, cats, and for maintenance. There is no profile for aging or senior cats, official AFCO profile. So what you see on the shelves when companies are putting out senior diets and cat food research is not, there are not a lot of companies that do a lot of cat food research. And we can be very, very grateful that some of them do and that they share their findings with us because I remember it's not too long ago, they were saying that once a cat ages, you need to feed them less, you need to feed them less protein, the protein content needs to be lower. What we know now is that we are not supposed to feed older cats less protein because some of them are just wasting away. They need their protein. They just need a better available source of protein. Yeah. Which brings me back to wet food. Yeah. It's, it's, it's better bio. It's the, the digestibility is just better. And some cats, when they age, they, they have a lot of issues with their joints. So when you see senior diets, some companies put in glucosamine, chondroitin to support joint health or EPA, DHA, um, three fatty acids to help with inflammation. So these diets definitely have a, they have a, it, there's a good reason for them to be in the market, especially for older cats. Yeah. So if the, the kitten diets are formulated for growth. I know some people will debate um, when you have a senior cat that they they might start to feed their senior cat kitten food because it has the extra calories um, or they feed the, the skinny cat that needs to put on some weight, some kitten food. Is yeah, that a good can, thing? You can do that. Definitely. It won't hurt. Some cats, I, in my in my experience, cats, when they age, we have these two types of cats. One type of cats that get overweight, obese, and there are the other type of cats that are wasting away. I have a lot of clients with senior cats. They are barely five, six, seven pounds, and you really want to make sure they get, um, 
they get their protein in. Yeah. So kitten food is definitely it's better than something else. I have an 18 year old and every time I take him to the vet, he's lost another half a pound or even a pound. He's down from like 10 pounds to seven now. So yeah, it's, it's not uncommon, Laura. I have a lot of clients that their cats are wasting away. Yeah. You see the so same. What, so what would you do then? Like kind of, what would you, what do you recommend your clients do? Do, do you recommend, uh, a higher protein food then higher calories or what would I mean higher I know protein. I know it's kind of case by case I'm just yeah, kind it of like really is case by case definitely always talk to your veterinarian because they know the cat the best more calories more protein doesn't doesn't mean actually more calories the calories really come from the fat so some cats um when they waste away, you want to make sure that they get what they like and that you really watch how much they are eating, how much, what they, what they are eating, what they prefer, change the diet. I have a lot of clients, they come to me say, hey, my cat doesn't want to eat. All of a sudden, my cat is 12 years old. And all of a sudden, she doesn't want to eat the diet anymore. And I say, you know what, if you've been eating 12 years, the same diet, Maybe it's time for a change. Your cat is now, compared to human, she's an old lady. Give her, give her something different. Maybe she's done with the food that you've been feeding her for 12 years. Give her some variation. Give her some wet food. Give her some, something different, a different shape of kibble, something new. So does that make sense? Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Thank you. And definitely weigh them a lot you you know your cat best weigh them if they're losing too much they might need some complete different support medical on the medical side <laughs> so switching switching gears to the opposite end of the spectrum we have our senior cats that are wasting away what about these fat cats what do you think is the main reason that america has so many fat cats and what, what do you recommend people do for those kinds of kitties? You know, I recently read a study about uh, pet obesity and the number one reason, the number one reason truly is that owners are biased. Yeah. Owners are overfeeding and they are biased as to if their cat is overweight or not. So this <laughs> pet obesity problem is connected a lot to owner responsibility. So we, do, do we like not recognize when our cats are over fat? Uh, kind of, do we, do we, do we, do we prefer the plump animals? Is that what you're saying? I think that a lot of people feel guilty when they don't spend enough time with their pets. So they think that food is the only reward they can give them and then they give them more treats and then if they, they they go on vacation when they come back they the pet sitter has overfed them and then they feel guilty and we know obesity is not just a, an, an animal issue it's like it's 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 a general problem in our western world that we consume too many calories and this is kind of reflected in the pet population these days I certainly understand. I'm Polish and we show love through feeding. <laughs> I'm German, so I, I, I thought about your accent. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, the number one reason a, 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 an animal is overweight is really the owner. The owner is overfeeding. The, the, the owner is overfeeding, period. I think humans in general, regardless of where you're from, they're, they're social eaters. They, I mean, they, they all show their love and want to share love through food and uh it makes sense to me because we talk a lot about you know cats aren't dogs cats aren't tiny people either yeah. uh, and you know yeah um uh, so overfeeding is the, the biggest cause and then um do we, do we ever yes. see that that it's like a certain 
type of food, like any of the like cheaper, junkier brands that have more calories in them? Is that is that a real thing? Or you said like even the grocery store brands are complete and balanced diets. Is there any truth to, you know, feeding your cat something not as high quality causing obesity or is that's not a thing? This is not like this is where we bring our human expertise into the animal world. Yeah. When we say, okay, and human food, all the junk food is high in calories. And, and this is, this is just, not, it's not the case on the pet food side. Every product is complete and balanced, should be complete and balanced and has the caloric density printed on the label. So every owner reading the label should be aware on how much to feed the cat. And if they go maybe even just once or whatever, every other year to the vet, the vets also, I think I saw data that very few vets, I think only 20 or 30% really talk with cat owners about the fact that the cat's overweight. Yeah, they, they don't even bring that up because it's such a touchy subject. That's so common. They probably get sick of talking about it. Um, but I think I think that it's a good point to to mention just to pet owners and even like people like me, like because you hear so many people talking about how like those grocery store brands are like the equivalent of feeding your cat chips and candy. And it sounds like that's not the case at all. They're still just as balanced and complete and nutritionally good for your cat as any, you know, any more expensive brand. So I think that's really good knowledge because there's a lot of misinformation about that out there for sure. You can overfeed your cat on Royal Canine or Hills, and you can overfeed your cat on a Kirkland Costco brand. No, no, no difference at all. Yeah. So it's we, all about the amount. <laughs> yeah. So I know that kind of the amount of food that we feed our cats is kind of individual thing, but how often should we feed them? As often as possible, I mean. Cats are just, they have a very small stomach compared to dogs or humans. Yeah, the stomach is very small and you see it. They go back to the, in my house, I see it. They go to their feeding bowl a couple of times a day. Yeah, So if you don't want to free feed, I would say feed as often as possible. Three, four times a day, small portions. I know that's not practical for many people, but that's why we have all these feeders and all of this equipment now that, that, that does the job for us and that spits out a handful of kibbles every three hours and or collar feeding. I mean, we have all of these super fancy feeding equipment. And do you recommend free feeding or scheduled feeding? It really depends on the cat. It really depends on the cat. I mean, if your cat is overweight, looking like Garfield, I would definitely not recommend free feeding. Then you need to get that into a schedule. Feed him three, four times a day. Weigh, weigh the food. If your cat is underweight, wasting away, free feed your cat, yeah. But I think it's important for every owner to have a to have a good understanding how much should the cat get? What is a cup? How much is a cup of food? Yeah. And not just scoop it in and fill the bowl to the to the rim and thinking, okay, my cat will. Some cats cannot self-regulate. Some cats can. Same with humans. Yeah, I think what happens very often when people do free feed, they just fill the bowl. They just refill yes. the bowl. They don't they don't really think about the portions, daily portions. And that's obviously common leads sense, to right? the garfields. <laughs> common sense. Use common sense. Look at your cat. Is your cat overweight? Stop free feeding, yeah. Okay. Um so 
let me just check. There were things that we wanted to chat to you about, and I'm just going to have a look to make sure that I'm not missing anything that we wanted to talk about. You kind of touched a little bit on veterinary diets, and the, that's kind of another thing that people um, often kind of, uh, you know, don't want are very reluctant to to get cats on the veterinary diets hi sunny i can see sunny yeah, sunny who is this little guy this is sunny he's my 18 year old that keeps losing all the weight mm. we gotta talk about that <laughs> Yeah. So let's get back to, to so the veterinary diets. And I think Laura kind of mentioned earlier that, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, those are not good. The only reason people, veterinarians are recommending them is, is because they get kickbacks or is there any truth in that? Well, I, I always hear veterinarians get kickbacks. They sell the food through their practice. Yeah, maybe it's just the way people phrase this kind of business, yeah. But definitely veterinarians, therapeutic diet in a vet clinic are a revenue stream. That's just a different way of phrasing it, yeah. Kickbacks. I, I don't I don't really think that I would call I wouldn't call it a kickback. It's just a revenue stream. Mm -hmm. So veterinarians are selling food in their clinic and in some clinics, it's a huge part of the revenue stream. So should we so I think the problem is people then start kind of distrusting the veterinarians uh, recommendations because yeah, because they feel like, okay, there is a bit of a, I think veterinarian diets or therapeutic diets, how we call them, there are a lot of products that are really helpful because most of the therapeutic diets, they are dialed in a very specific narrow range of micronutrients yeah, or protein. To make a therapeutic diet is very, very complicated. Yeah, you have to analyze the 30 or 40 or 50 ingredients that you are using to really hit that low, let's talk about a, a, a diet, whatever low in, in phosphorus to meet that low phosphorus content. Yeah, And if you have cats, if you have a client with a cat that comes to your clinic and it's constantly blocked with stones, yeah, constantly doesn't, I mean, depends on the type of stones, oxalates, druvite, pH too low, pH too high. To dial that in properly, you have to give your cat a therapeutic diet. If you don't want your cat to suffer. So these diets are definitely, they, they have a good, reason to be on the market. And it's not like in veterinary medicine, the companies, they produce these products and they need to fit or, or be, be, be available to be used for a large amount of animals, yeah? When you, in a, when you are in a, in a human hospital and you, get a, you have a problem, you get a nutritionist assigned and the nutritionist, he writes out a specific diet for you. That can't happen on 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 the vet side yeah so they they produce products that meet let's say the 80 20 rule yeah mm -hmm. it's good for 80 percent of the cats and some of the diets are really really helpful we need veterinarians need them because you can't send somebody home with a formulation to make a homemade diet that is low in phosphorus yeah cat owners would look at you say how am i going to do that <laughs> So yeah. does that make sense? Yeah. There is a lot, I mean, there is a lot of pro and cons to it, but I think that most of the therapeutic diets, there's a good reason they are on the market. Yeah. Gotcha, thank you. So I feel like we've busted a lot of myths so far. 
Are there any other big myths or things that people say about feeding their cats that you just want to squash while you have this platform? Yeah, I just, I'm always, every client that comes to me, the, a lot of people are very confused about, am I feeding the right product? Am I feeding, am I, should I feed raw? Should I feed, not feed? There's a lot of judgment going on. And I try to explain to everyone, if your cat is happy with raw, feed your cat raw. If your cat is happy with, happy with kibbles and everything's fine, don't change a winning team and don't let other people judge you because you're not feeding your cat raw or because you're feeding your cat kibbles, yeah? It's not one shoe fits all, yeah? And, and I feel like some of the people, especially on the raw feed, they are very extreme. Not everyone has the financial means and the time and the knowledge to feed their cats wrong. So don't make them feel bad or, or, I mean, let's be honest. We, Laura, you and I, we both worked a lot in rescue, yeah? Sometimes you just feed what you have, yeah? You can't, you, you can't just say, okay, this is cheap food. Every food has to be complete and balanced period so don't let don't let people if you if you you know your cat best if your cat loves raw feed them raw if not don't beat yourself up over it feed your cat kibbles that's fine as long as you keep it to the kind of the the, the number of calories and yeah it's supposed as to as long get. as your cat has a good Body condition score is not overweight, not underweight. It's fine. I think it's reassuring, at least for me and probably for a lot of people, just to know that like, if you're buying your cat cat food, you're doing the right thing, yes. which is, there's so, there's so much, like there is so much judgment and people, I think, I think that candy and, and chips thing with with those cheaper brands is, is one of the most damaging things that I, that I hear that I'm learning is completely false. Um, and I know a lot of people get bashed for that kind of thing, for feeding their cat, that junk food, quote unquote, junk food. So I'm excited. And I'm just thinking like, I have eight cats and I'm thinking about how much money I would spend on raw food and how much time I would spend putting it together. That would be, that would be insane that would be so unrealistic for me and maybe yeah. people there are definitely people out there who judge who would judge me for what I feed my cats but so, that goes um, also for the veterinarian community I mean they are very much against raw food so if somebody shows up at your vet clinic that feeds the cat raw don't be so judgmental yeah if it if that person wants to feed the cat raw totally fine if that person knows what he or she is doing yeah Live and let live and don't be so judgmental. It's not politics, it's not religion, it's just dog and cat food, yeah. It's it it, it definitely sometimes kind of feels like <laughs> like it's the the most important thing in the world. And uh, um yeah, definitely need to get over over yeah. this over judging. We need to get over that. And I feel like that the pet food industry is, they haven't done themselves the best favor. And, mm -hmm. and, and there is, it's, it's an $8 billion industry. So you can imagine that there's a lot of competition going on. These companies, Mars and Nestle, they're not making their money with chocolate. Yeah, they're making their money with mm -hmm. dog and cat food. And they don't want anyone to steal away market share yeah so you see a lot of lawsuits nestle against blue buffalo and i've been working 30 years in this industry they're they're all good products yeah yeah because definitely like we get from marketing and from commercials we do get this message that if you love your cat if you love your dog then you're going to feed them this thing because this thing is the best thing in the bloody world and so um um I shouldn't be saying the swear words on Facebook Live. Uh, 
but uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 I feel like that, that's where it comes from a little bit, right? Yeah. You're a bad pet owner if you're not feeding them this particular brand because it's... And you're a bad pet owner. And I, I feel like we need to stop doing that, yeah. We need to, there's, there's enough business for everyone out there and uh, live and let live. Absolutely. Um, one more thing, actually, I, I was going to touch on probiotics and prebiotics. I don't know if you want, if, if that's something that you um, also kind of want to talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, prebiotics, probiotics, um, there are a lot of products out in the market and do your research. It's a supplement. It's not a complete and balanced food. So supplements, the it's, it's unregulated. It's a self-regulated industry. So if you buy supplements, not just probiotics, prebiotics, because your cat or dog has GI issues, make sure that you buy a, a product that is that has some research behind it or an NASC seal that is the National uh, Animal and Supplement Council. They are self-regulating a body that overlooks the supplement industry. So there are a lot of good products out there and definitely we humans benefit from probiotics. And I mean, they always come together, probiotics, prebiotics. Um, make sure that you feed your cat a cat specific or dog a dog specific um, supplement because the strains that we have in our GI tract they are very specific to um, the species so a cat does not do well on a human probiotic or a dog wouldn't do wouldn't benefit as much from a human supplement uh, so there are, there are really good products out there and I'm a big believer in probiotics, prebiotics. So if your cat needs it, go for it. Lots of good products out there. Great. <laughs> Laura? Yeah, so what, I guess, like to wrap up, what are some of the reasons that someone would go to a nutritionist for their pet over their veterinarian or in addition to their veterinarian? Um, what what kind of clients do you, do you see um, and what are some things that, that you frequently help people with? So the clients that I get are the clients, there are different types of clients, I would say one good portion of it, they need more explanation. Yeah. They come from whatever vet number five, and they have done everything. They have done all the diagnostics, all the blood work, all the, and they still don't have a very good understanding on what is going on. So I'm kind of translating I'm not diagnosing anything. I'm not a veterinarian. Yeah, This is a hard line that I'm drawing here. But I have clients that come to me and say, hey, I've got all of these diagnostics from my vet and I have this food. Can you help me understand? Can you help me what is going on? And for example, I had a, I had a client with a, a Dalmatian who was constantly blocked. Yeah, And that person was on a Facebook group that recommended raw meat feeding for Dalmatians. Dalmatians, they, some of them, they, they tend to get stones. Nutritionists know that. So I explained to that dog owner what is going on with the dog and that it's really not the best to follow the Facebook group and, and, and do the home cooking but follow the veterinarian that has already recommended feeding a therapeutic diet. And so we go over all the paperwork and I, I explain what is going on from a nutrition point of view, what foods to feed, what to avoid and why this is happening. Um, that, is, that is one part of the clients that I see. 
I have clients that come, come to me that tell me, oh, my, my vet has given me a therapeutic diet and my cat is not eating that food. What can I do? Therapeutic diets are sometimes lower in fat. They are not really, the focus is not palatability. The focus is the medical aspect. And that's why these diets are less palatable. So we go over all the paperwork and some of these people, they are really um, dedicated to making their own cat food. So I look into the diagnostics and I, they get a customized formulation from me. Well, that, that, must, that must take a lot of your time and dedication. Yeah, but it's sometimes, it is really, um, it's rewarding. It's really rewarding when I have many clients with diabetic cats and cats usually get diabetic type two. So once we put them on, on a homemade wet diet, they don't need insulin anymore. They just... Diabetes. But just to underscore, it's a it's a homemade wet diet that has been formulated by a yeah. nutritionist like you, and not just kind of I'm going to throw in those ingredients and it's going to be better. Than yeah, I'm following, following this Facebook recipe and everything mm-hmm. will be fine. Yeah. Case. Yeah. Yeah. So does that make sense? It's, it's <laughs> interesting, kind of, kind of what how it overlaps with like behavior consulting, because I hear a lot from clients that I see for behavior that their vet has told them this and this, and, you know, your cat has anxiety or whatever, and then their vet doesn't have time or, you know, or even expertise to come and like fully explain every piece of it and what is going on and look into the back, look into all of the different things. So it's interesting how it overlaps with, with vet visits in in that way too um where it's it's like a supplement and a further um like delving in deeper afterwards I think that's cool yeah I I mean everything is overlapping in our world so just like I have seen 25 year old cats that have only had kibbles in their life yeah and they've been thriving and I have seen 10 months old kittens that couldn't digest anything so there is not one shoe fits all. So, so I do really customized uh, consultations. And and if yeah. someone wanted to contact you for a consultation, where, where, where would they find you? Yeah, my website's up at the feline consultant. <laughs> yeah, take a minute and plug yourself. Go for it. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. You can go on my website. I have a website. It's called The Feline Consultant. Or you email me, Sandra, at The Feline Consultant and book an appointment. I usually do nutrition or behavior consultations and whatever is your problem. Let's talk about it. So what, what do people need to have to, if they want to consult with you on kind of nutrition side, uh, do you want to see their veterinary um, kind of uh, documents, the history from veterinarians? Is that something that you need? Yeah, whatever they have. Some people have everything. Some people, they have whatever have come to me with 50 pages from different veterinarians with blood work and uh all kinds of uh, uh, diagnostics. Some pet owners haven't gone to the vet yet. So we start from scratch. It's really, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> and, and are your consults virtual or in person? Yeah, virtual, virtual. Okay. And most of the time, I mean, it takes me a, a while to read through all the papers and sometimes need to go back. It, it, it takes, yeah. As we always say, the initial, the intake is the most important, asking the right questions and getting the whole picture of what's what's the problem. It's the same on the, I mean, there is so much overlap. Yeah, food is part of one. Nutrition is part of that um, well-being of cats. If a cat's not, if a cat is showing behavioral challenges food could could be a reason yeah or 
Pika, we talked about it, yeah. It's the best example. Um, oh yeah, we actually, we talked about Pika briefly before we got online. Uh, <laughs> so can you kind of touch quickly on Pika and nutrition? Because we, well, we have a few minutes left. Laura, you want to talk about it from the behavioral side? Because from my side, it's pretty, I mean, pica is something I see when cats don't get enough fiber. They okay. usually, they have this tendency of eating wool and eating, yeah, the, a lack of fiber mm -hmm. can be. And would that be that they are not eating a proper diet? That they aren't getting enough fiber or they're just cats that are like deficient and they need more fiber than other cats different products contain different amounts of fiber and it may be the reason that your cat needs more fiber to just be healthy <laughs> and yeah I, I feel like this is a male yeah kittens that have been male nourished from the beginning. I see that sometimes that they still have this. This is kind of an overlap. They had a nutritional deficiency and now they have developed this behavioral issue that, that they still, now even if they are brought back to a, a complete and balanced diet, they still show this behavior even months later, yeah, that they are, I had a client once that she couldn't, she couldn't have anything, blankets, wool, anything laying around, the cat was just like chewing on it nonstop. So then you have to, when you fix it on the nutritional side, then you start, it's the overlap with the behavioral, what can yeah. we do now to to stop the cat from chewing up all the blankets. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have a foster kitten right now who is a huge blanket sucker. She is, and none of the other ones in the litter do it. So I've been trying to figure out what's been going on with her. Cause she was like, she was taken away from her mother early and all of the things, but yeah. That might be more behavioral than a. I think it is cause we're feeding her good food. Yeah. Yeah, I oh. get it. All right. Is there anything last minute in this these last three minutes that we did not talk about that you feel like is really important? Hmm. <sighs> and I wish we would have had more time to go into kind of the behavioral effects of yeah. We could probably do a whole nother talk on on a more behavior. The overlap. I would love to see a, a talk about the overlap. What? Yeah. In a couple months, we'll have you back. And we'll yeah. talk about that again. That would be awesome. Um, but anything other than that? I think we covered a lot of topics. How do you yeah. feel about it, ladies? This was really, yeah. really interesting. I feel like even though I've heard you speak before, I still learned a lot today. Hopefully everybody else watching learned a lot. This is a topic that there aren't very many experts in out there, um, at least that I'm aware of. So thank you so much for joining us today. Sure. Um, go ahead, say your business name and everything one more time just to get it out there. <laughs> well, I'm Sandra and my business is The Feline Consultant. You'll find my website, my Facebook, my Instagram. I've not been putting out a lot of content lately, but this will change soon once I'm settled with my new job. So <laughs> bear with me. Just, just so everyone knows, Rebecca actually put the link to your business in the chat in the comments. So um, if you, you can just click on that. Yes. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much, Sandra. I will definitely see you soon. Hopefully we can do this and again soon. We can talk about behavioral overlap of feeding and nutrition because that's super interesting to me too. Yeah, I'd love that. Talk Thank about you. case studies. That would be great. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, have a good afternoon. Good weekend, everybody. Thanks for joining yeah. us. And we'll be back next weekend. month. Thank you. <laughs> I will be start working tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. <laughs> oh, no.
See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye. Dogbiz would like to invite you to come thrive with us. Our group coaching program, Thrive, is designed to help positive reinforcement dog trainers build and run thriving dog businesses. No matter what your goals are for your business, we're here to support you every step of the way. In Thrive, you get weekly access to Dogbiz coaches so you can ask your questions, big or small, and get an opportunity to hear from other R dog pros and to share your experiences and ideas too. In fact, we call our members the Thrive Hive because they're always busy sharing innovative ideas and supporting each other. They really have learned how to be better together. And because we've built such a strong, supportive community, we only open Thrive to new members once a year. You don't want to miss your chance to join, so get on the Thrive waitlist. Go to dogbizsuccess.com thrive. You'll not only be the first to hear when Thrive enrollment opens, you'll also get free waitlist-only sneak peeks of Thrive curriculum. It's a great way to get some free business advice and to get a feel for what it's like to be a Thrive member. So if you're ready to take your business to the next level, head over to dogbizsuccess.com thrive. Let's thrive together.